Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. There are three of us here tonight. There's no phone call, no Finney tonight. Mm. So don't turn off. Actually, <laughs> that's the, that, is, that is one of the discarded phrases from the Andrea Perlo marketing department. No phone call, no Finney. Um, just the three of us tonight. So it's me, it's Chris Charles. Hello. Uh, and it's Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Hello. Um, and... It's been a bit of a heartbreaking week. Ugh. Before before we go on to that, um, thank you for th- our, our beers. Thank you, our weekly beers. Thank you. Uh, I've got here Eusebio. Eusebio's mm. bought the beers today. Oh, wow. Eusebio Barata. Back from the dead. Yeah, I was going to say from the grave. <laughs> I, I mean, I will feel... <laughs> he is dead, isn't he? I, I think Eusebio, he is. Yeah. yeah. I will feel awful if this is actually this person's name, but Eusebio Barata. Barata's like a cheese? It's mozzarella, yeah, but, but sort of matured in a way that the middle is still soft and not firm as normal mozzarella. And, and, and I really, like, I really like cheese. And <laughs> who says football's gone middle class? <laughs> and Eusebio is, I suppose, now the second best Portuguese footballer of all time. Yeah. But potential. I think you've got. I think you've got to give that to to, to nanny, haven't you? <laughs> Joke. It's a generation thing, I suppose. If people people who grew up with Eusebio would probably argue the point. Mind you, you might as well say you might also say Luis Figo. Not that we're t- this is a podcast to talk about the best Portuguese players. <laughs> well, at least it keeps us talking about other stuff. Yes. Well, thank you, Eusebio, for the beers. Much appreciated. Uh, I'll do my usual run through of all the things you need to know about the podcast, but I'll make it quick. If you want to keep in touch with us, please do on Twitter at QPR Pod, which has been extremely busy and informative this week, particularly since the last uh, recording we did with Tony Fernandez. You can go on our website to listen to all old episodes. That's at qprpod.co.uk. Uh, and a little shout out to everybody who supports the pod. If you want to do the same, go on that website, click on the one of the tabs at the top, which is something like support the show. And your help is much appreciated because it helps us keep the podcast free. Right. Uh, but not free of heartbreak. Oh, good mm. What a week. Oh. Ha- so, anybody we have... No, I'm not even going to do the... Like, everybody must know. I was going to say, unless you've been living under a rock, we've had two last-minute heartbreaks, mm. all con- both connected with penalties. Unless you've been in the grave with Eusebio, then you would no. Unless you you've would. been <laughs> with Eusebio. So last night was Bristol City, and that was a last-minute penalty against us, and Saturday was Birmingham, and a last-minute penalty that didn't go with us. Before we talk about the specifics of the games, how how this is? I always think this is the worst question people ask in broadcast journalism, but I'll ask it. Chris, how are you feeling? I'm not over it. I, I'm I'm not over which one. I'm not over the Birmingham one. The, the, the Bristol City one was a, a mild irritant compared to to Birmingham. Um, gamut of emotions, like yeah, I, 
the first half, I actually left four minutes before the first half, was in the bar when Smith's goal went in, and everyone assumed it was a consolation, despite people singing, we're going to win 5-4, which was almost um, almost the case. Uh, Did you think that? I, I oh, no, we are now immediately jumping into the games. I felt there was a feeling against Birmingham that this won't be it. We're not just going to get beat something nil. Like, we'll... we'll this team have something different about them. I can't lie and say I thought we were going to draw or we were going to win, but I did think they were going to make it a fight and make it more respectable, and I felt like there was a feeling that that could happen quite early on. Well, the, the goal just before half-time obviously gave us a sniff, um, and it's the old football thing, isn't it? If you, if you get one early, then it makes it interesting, and... I mean, that place, especially when the third goal went in, it's rocking. I haven't heard it like that since Liverpool. It was amazing, wasn't uh, it? When we were 2-2 against Liverpool. Um, but that just made it... six years ago. Was that right? Yeah. Like that that, that yeah, just made it so. even worse, though, because, I mean, I was sort of having to stay strong for my daughter, but there were tears at the end. and Luckily, she consoled me. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was... I don't know. It felt like... I was trying to think what it felt, it felt like... You know those dementors from Harry Potter had just sucked the life out of you. That's what it felt like. Just this, and it was everyone all around was just. We were right on top of the penalty, and oh man, I, yeah, I still. It's, it's, Clive did his did brilliant match report, and and yeah, yeah, you can tell he's not over it either. Flo, yeah, so I felt, we're, we're still on. We're still on Birmingham. Here. I, I felt unbelievably deflated, which I'm sure everyone else felt the same way. Um, I would say I. I do agree with you, David. I, I thought 4-2 probably was a likely score um, that we could have come out with. I think on Sunday I tried to reflect a bit more and think about the positives, which was obviously the fact that we can come back from that situation, although hopefully we won't put ourselves in that situation again or any time in the near-ish future. But we know that that can happen, which is pretty amazing to think about because... 4-0 down at home after, what, half an hour, yeah. five minutes. And then to think that you could come back within within a chance of doing that and maybe even winning because Lee Camp made a lot more saves than just that penalty. So that, I think that was positive that I tried to focus on the next day. Um, but it was it was quite hard to sort of see through that. But also I think... What I thought was really good is that one of the sort of best aspects of Holloway was motivating the players. And whenever we went one or two down under Holloway, you always kind of thought there's a comeback in this team because he really knows how to get them going or just basically shower them in the dressing room. And we hadn't yet really seen that massively under McLaren. And this is that first test of can these guys play terribly pick themselves back up after being booed off by the majority of the ground and obviously feeling like shit and you could see their heads were visibly down. Can they go in there, come round and perform like a completely different team, which they did. So that's something to really sort of hold on to. It's just then I did think, oh, Tuesday's going to be a completely different result because we'll play like we did on Saturday with real fight and real belief and really go for it. But obviously we came out as the away side and things don't really work like that. Mm. And we scored and then just tried to hold on and hold on and time wasting at any opportunity. And it was quite negative. So it was quite frustrating because we'd have 
a strange positive out of Saturday and a real low on Tuesday and then now looking forward to Friday, I'm thinking, oh, what is... What can we sort it of hold on so to? so QPR, though, to oh, yeah. get something on Friday, yeah. won't it? Yeah, it, it would. Um, I think as well, credit to McLaren for not only motivating the players, but for changing the system mm. and for um, yeah. making the substitution. He's been sort of... And everybody thought those substitutions were odd at half-time. Yeah. I did really think they were weird. I yeah. mean, there'll, there'll be some smart Alec on Twitter who will claim that that was exactly the substitution <laughs> that was needed. Yeah. And Cousins, who I really don't rate, had a really good game and he seemed to play well-ish Cracking yesterday. Goal. And he scored a really good goal. So that was a kind of um, inspired substitution. I think Scoan's struggling in general um, and uh, he, he kind of forces us to play far too deep. Mm. Uh, I don't really know what's going to happen on Friday in terms of the formation. I don't know if we're going to try and bully them with Smith or try and have a bit more finesse and finish with Eze and Wells, I honestly have no idea. Or have Wells and Smith, I don't know. I do think that, um, I mean, Lynch went off injured. Uh, I know the BFG was dropped, and probably rightfully so, because he looked like he was in need of a rest, a bit like Eze maybe. But I do think when he came back on, I mean, yeah. they didn't really get a sniff. No. Um, and I think, I mean, Hall And was... in the first half last night, in particular, he was, he was clearing everything up. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Hall, Hall sort of struggled as well on Saturday. He was bullied. I mean, bullied by a great striker. Let's not take away oh, from him. Oh, he's brilliant, I mean, Adams. He was, he was absolutely on fire. Um, and, but it, it was just every time they poured forward, you, you just thought the worst. And, and, and that's how it, how it transpired. But I think the BFG, maybe he needed that rest. And hopefully mm. him and Hall could be the new centre-back. You think him and Hall? I think so. I think Lynch, for me, saying he's terrible, but I think he's probably tailed off a bit in recent weeks. Maybe he's due a rest. I mean, you've got to remember a lot of these players have played most of the games this season. And we've got a lot of games coming up. But, yeah, I mean, well, we'll come on to Watford later, I'm sure. I'm I'm in front of a yellow microphone at the moment, so I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. And David's in front of the blue one. (laughs) Flo's got red, so... uh, Well, Watford have got red on their shirts. I think think Leisner, it's... Good link. It, it is good to have good that. Yeah. It's good to have that rest. Um, but yeah, you can definitely tell the leadership and organisation that he brings to that back four because you've also obviously got Furlong, who's quite young, Bidwell, who can be quite erratic and often be out position quite a lot. So you need that sort of core balancing it all with Leisner and Lynch and Hall was a bit of a kind of calamity combo Mm. because neither knew what the other one was doing. And they tried to hold a really high line for that. Was it the second or third um, Birmingham goal? And it just completely didn't I don't know, work. I'd lost count by that And stage. it was that through ball that went straight to Adams and it was great mm. finish and great pass. But they were playing such a ridiculously high line trying to play him offside and it didn't work I at all. I don't how that Adams is that, like, such a good striker. He, he looks like... From non-league, Ilson Town well, he FC. He looks like a nightclub bouncer. He, I mean, he's, not he's even what, one in He's, a, he's from shape. the Troy Deeney school of, of, of striking, oh, but, he's better, but he's yeah, better than Deeney. He's better because he's actually fast and uses his body in the right way and is a better mm. finisher than Deeney, but he's got that same kind of power and aggression and just sort of fear factor in him. Um, definitely one of the best strikers I've seen in the championship this year. 
But then if you look at his record, like the last couple of seasons, he's not exactly torn the place up. I don't know. I, I had a brief look. It might be one in four, one in three, something like that. But not. But yeah, I don't he's know if he. Up I, to I, 20, I, isn't he? Yeah, now? I don't know if he's going through his purple patch or purple season, or whether he, he's just maturing late. But I mean, yeah, he was a real handful. But again, second half, he, he didn't get a sniff. And then he got he got taken off, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think that's more, more like to try and yeah. they were worried, the yeah. they were rattled. Yeah, and yeah. if you saw how the Birmingham players celebrated at the end, yeah, it wasn't like euphoria. They all gave each other a massive group hug, like God, thank. Thank God that's over. Like, we just about squeezed through it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just going back to Cousins very briefly. I, I felt a bit disappointed that some people decided to boo him onto the pitch. I mean, I know he's had a couple of... Oh, I didn't even hear that from oh, where did, I was. Um, yeah. Well, I heard it from where you sit. <laughs> I don't mean exactly where you sit. No, well, but, it doesn't surprise me because no. the guys who sit behind me want to boo everyone. So. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I, I just think he's... I mean, if you look at Connor Washington, when when... You know, he couldn't get a, a you know barn door with a proverbial banjo, and never um, understood that phrase. No, but carry on. I, but, yeah. but he inaccurate. But he yeah. he was given a lot more grace. He there were the, the boo boys weren't out for him, um, and I think it's because you could see him running around a lot, and and people like to see people trying. I'm yeah. not, but Ma- yeah, maybe I so. Maybe it's different where I sit, and you'll you'll certainly tell me if it was different where, in your experience on Saturday. I felt it was a very strange feeling after the game because everybody was desperately disappointed, mm. but no one was angry. There wasn't an anger. No, like when you the get players got a great reception, absolutely kind of battered. We'd let in four at home. We'd given ourselves a huge uphill task. And there was disappointment, but in a sort of perverse way, good disappointment mm. because we were that close to getting it. And you compare those guys, those guys messed up and then tried their hardest to repair it. And they nearly got there, but they gave everything in trying to repair it. And that's admirable. You compare, that, you compare it to kind of that era of players who were far more gifted than those guys. I mean, we always blame Basingua and Jisung Park. And, and others but why not let's refer to them you just don't like those players would so much more gifted but would never have done that at QPR and for that reason you kind of can't be too angry about I it I don't know so much about Park I think Park the the, fa- the very fact that Ferguson will let a player go that easily who was one of the like the cornerstones of his of his regime if you like suggested that he was spent before he got it. But Singer was a different ke- different kettle of fish. I mean, he just couldn't be arsed, basically. Mm. Um, I'm not here to defend Jason Park, by the way. This is not <laughs> me. This is, but, um, but, yeah, I know what you mean. Those those players were clearly a lot more talented. But, that, that, yeah, that feeling at the end, I mean, to be honest, I'd have preferred it if we'd have lost 4-3 with no penalty. Because I think they've got the same reception. I like the fact that everyone stayed behind. They, they clapped everyone off. And particularly um, sung... Uh, who's the guy that missed the penalty? Naki Wells. Wells. Yeah, they sung his they sung his name. Sung his name, yeah, yeah at the end. And he, which he, I he thought did was a very like... gracious, gracious or humble tweet yeah. after. Yeah, uh, you just I know you always say this. You kind of got the feeling it wasn't going to go in that because he yeah. had a little stutter yeah. in the run up, and when they do that, it was a terrible penalty. And then Lee Camp in goal. Yeah. Oh, Lee Camp, bad hair, great goal. I mean, he looks. I mean, he was going to have that sort of game. He looks like he is a part-time, half-retired goalkeeper, doesn't yeah. he? But it, you just kind of knew he'd pull out all the stops. And, and, and with him as well, he, there was no. You know, there was, there was usual pantomime when he was going for the goal kick. But I think afterwards, you know, 
They were relieved. He single-handedly denied Matt Smith having like five goals, basically. Yeah. I mean, there was that one, that one particular one, <coughs> excuse me, where it ricocheted off a defender and he tipped it on the bar. I mean, how the hell he did that? Um, it's interesting as well that he's having such a good season because in the Sunderland dock, he was one of the scapegoats for yeah. their terrible because they got in an experienced goalie. They tried to get camp in to kind of steady the ship. And obviously that mess was was so vast. No one yeah. could kind of save it. But I mean, the fans at Sunderland really had it in for him. So it's good to see him kind of be able to grasp his career back a little bit. Well, talking of Smith. Yes. The resurgence of Smith. Wow. Amazing. Uh, but but is it a surprise? Because I remember us talking about this last season. And we were saying things like, where did it come from that all of a sudden he's our last player? We, we, we seem to go from, he's plan B, he's plan B, he's plan B, to, wow, he's a really good player. And like, wh- where's this form come from? And then be surprised. And then it's the same cycle over and over again. Well, I think he's getting the service this time. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think, I think um, like... And again, when you're just being on half, you know, half here or 20 minutes there or 10 minutes there, you can't really get into the game that well. And and, and, and I was, you know, the one that was saying like a few times, like all the ball, the long balls that were coming up to him, mm. even he wasn't even winning those. But this time there's meaningful crosses coming in that he can get in the end of. And if you I went think through... he converts enough? Can I say that I don't think he does enough with those headers that he gets I think to. the problem is he concedes too many fouls. Mm. That he... The, the, and I obviously... We're going to side with Smith and say that, you know, the size of him means that if he goes down, it must be the fault of the defender. But the ref blows it against Smith a lot. And there's a lot of penalty shouts, which we would think, oh, that's definitely a penalty. And it goes against him. So I think his size, although it can be a massive advantage, sometimes it does play against him in that respect. But I agree with Chris before, it used to be, uh, especially sometimes when Holloway used Smith, it was a bit of a hit and hope. And it was sort of, let's just play route one for a bit and see what happens. But now, you know, he's starting to learn how to play with Wells a bit. When they first came on, I think, and they played together in that Preston game, it was looked terrible. Like, they barely knew where each other were. But obviously, it takes time to get used to playing with another person beside you. So, I think they're building a, a, a nice-ish partnership and Smith can kind of hold up play. And he's also a really good defender to have at corners mm. because he's been... That's kind of... Until he started scoring, that was his main role, just to come on and help defend. Yeah. And now, even against Birmingham, he had a few really good clearances when we were still trying to kind of hold on at about 4-2, 4-1. So, yeah, he's becoming a kind of weirdly complete player. Mm. He's in a sort of no-man's land with his hair, though, isn't he? He's, got, <laughs> yeah. he's really got to make a decision yeah. soon, Matt Smith, whether to sort of go the Wayne Rooney implants route or just yeah, go, I mean, go, maybe, go, maybe, go for the egg. Whatever he does, he shouldn't ask Steve Ireland McLaren because uh, <laughs> no. that, that's not the way to go. No. Um, Sorry, carry on. No, I mean, it was a very unimportant point about Matt... <laughs> an, unkind, an unkind point about Matt Smith's hair, sorry. Well, what I was going to say was that Steve McLaren has the, got the classic uh, uh, good problem to have, though, because what does he do now? Does he stick or tw- does he stay with Smith against Watford, which is what you were saying earlier, Flo, or does he bring Easy back into the equation? Uh, or does he go with Hemed? So Hemed's obviously not fit yet. And I think you could tell by the fact that he didn't bring Hemed on at half-time on Saturday. Yeah. Because at 4-1 down, you would bring on a centre-forward, mm. I think. And he didn't do that, and presumably he did that because he's not fully fit, or not fully match fit. 
I think you could judge the last two, three games. That team is his preferred team at the moment. You've got to put out your preferred team against Watford. Why are you doing it? Why are we playing football? Why are we entering these competitions if we don't want to try and win the games in them? I think it's just more tactically rather than... Because it depends what the approach to the game is going to be. Are we going to try and be physical and just put crosses in? Or are we going to try and be a maybe slightly more creative and have Eze and Wells as like an attacking midfielder forward situation. Which is certainly not something I can answer because I can't give you the analysis. <laughs> I don't I just don't know. I know I just don't know. I mean, I mean Watford are a good side and I think they'll really exploit us on the break because they've got pace and skill and I think they'll if we give away any set pieces, any free kicks, they're going to really be a threat. Well, the dynamic has changed slightly with these cup games, hasn't it? Because there's no replay. Yeah. So it's not like you would kind of, maybe you might go gung-ho because we want a result at home and we don't trust ourselves to go back to Vicarage Road. There will be no going back to Vicarage Road. No. So you, you, you may, McLaren may uh, approach the game in a slightly different manner. Well, no, I mean, I think without a shadow of it, I mean, clearly our any aspirations of getting into um, the playoffs, which was probably a pipe dream anyway, have now gone. Yeah. Um, so this this is it, really. I mean, he's... he's uh, OK, we still need three, maybe four wins to be safe, but I, I do think we will get that. I yeah. think he's I got to we'll throw the proverbial easy. kitchen sink. The club have done brilliantly. Tickets, 10 quid. Should be a sellout, full... Sellout, isn't it? Should, is it, is sold it already? Out already? I, yeah. think it's, I think it's... I think I heard so it if we can get that place rocking like it was after uh, at 4-2, 4-3 the other day, um, and if we can have the similar gung-ho performance like we did in the second half, then Watford not going to find that easy. And you, and you wonder how important that seventh place is to them. They, I think they're two points behind Wolves at the moment. Um, wh- whether they would rest any players to concentrate on the league? Well, Tony Fernandez said this last week in our podcast with him, uh, which was not something that we massively picked up on, but he said, don't understand why these teams, not necessarily Watford, but teams... There's a lot of teams in the Premier League that don't take the FA Cup seriously mm. enough. It is really weird. You, the top four really respect the Cups in the Premier League. Chelsea always put out a good team. Man United always put out a good team. Man City take them seriously. But then you've got those group after that that seem to care more about the million quid per place in the Premier League. Yeah, but Man City, Chelsea, Man United reserves, are, are probably most of them are probably better than the teams below well, them anyway. Well, that's the thing. There's also been some journalists in the football world who have said, well, actually, it's the championship clubs which are disrespecting the cup, if you like, the most. Because when you look at the quality of sides that the Premier League teams are putting out, because their reserves are such high quality, actually, by the championship teams putting any reserve or bench players in, the quality is so... Like broad. I think with cups, it often comes down to number of changes. It's not necessarily who, but how much change in momentum. And when you change nine, ten players, then I think you're asking for trouble. Like a bit like how McLaren made wholesale changes against Blackpool. Yeah, well, in, in, I mean, in the checker trade, you get fined if you do that. So maybe if people, if it becomes too much of an issue, they'll bring that system in and say, you know, there's a maximum amount of changes you can do because they're worried that it's diluting the competition. It, it's, it's, it's a talking point every year, and I think it's definitely, you know, a, a, an issue, but it's hard when, yeah, the financial things are, that are at stake are so it, important. It's entirely possible we will get battered on Friday, but it's yeah. also entirely possible we will win, mm. yeah. which is, I guess, what makes it... 
I just yeah, don't want to concede so an early exciting. goal. I'm just worried about an early goal. But that's it. I think against a Premier League team, yeah. you're in trouble if you concede. But we know, know we can obvious. come back. Yeah, but it's harder <laughs> against a Premier League team. Yeah, and yeah. they take their chances. Premier League teams take those chances. Yeah. Oh, it, going back to Fernandes, it's quite funny that the fact that he said, you know, doesn't understand why uh, the bigger teams disrespect the cup, the Premier League teams. When I mean, what's he said to our various managers? We've been disrespecting the cup for years. I mean, and the Premier is, League was even worse, exactly. It's the first time since 97. It's only because... And League um, Cup as well. McLaren got hauled over the coals at the fans' forum that... Oh, hey, presto, we're respecting the cup now. Yeah, and yeah, look where it's got us. There was no respect in the League Cup, though, when there we was, lost to Blackpool. Exactly. But well, that's, that that's was outrageous. That was, that, that, was, that was what sort of yeah. caused the furore. That I was think. the catalyst. We haven't even talked about the Portsmouth game, which, of course, has Portsmouth? occurred. The replay. Yes. Yes. Portsmouth. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, 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 which, that evening which after. Which has the... occurred oh. since the last podcast. We had three games we in the space Pompey of about six Wednesday. days. Sorry, God, Chris, you, you were there. I am so you sorry. You were definitely sorry. there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, a word on that? Yeah, it was Go fine. On. I mean, thank God we got through it. I mean, it wasn't overly impressive, but it, I, I thought Pompey showed their true colours, which is they're a league below us, and that's, that's the big difference. And with no wind and no rain, well, a little bit of rain, we looked really well, good I thought that was what was reassuring there was just no danger yeah exactly that we were not going it was to get pretty flattering that. to be honest because some of the passing was almost too good <laughs> so I'm just glad we got through it and there weren't any, really any scares and we sort of just yeah got on with it and moved how, on how long ago was that because that, that <laughs> it was a week, like a, a, week a, ago. Ago. a week ago a week ago I mean I'm brutally honest I, I mean I was there I witnessed it and yes it was comfortable Beyond that, I, I, I can't... My head is so full of... Uh, Stadium, particularly Birmingham. Birmingham um, Bristol yeah. City, which we haven't even really touched on. No. I mean, and, and, we, and we've also got to talk about our run. Yeah. Or lack thereof. So yeah. let's talk about oh, Bristol God. City. Uh, the big talking point is the penalty. Or not the penalty. Or not the penalty. Yeah. What would you like to say on that? I'd like to say it wasn't a penalty. Um, I think... It's pretty clear from, and I know it's the benefit of hindsight, the benefit of replays. Um, but if that was a penalty, then why, why weren't we given two penalties like Eze and Matt Smith? So if I'm Lee Johnson about it, just to kind of play the devil's advocate, it wasn't a pen. No, it wasn't a penalty. But in the heat of the moment, blah blah blah. No, it, de- it wasn't definitely not a penalty yeah. when it's playing at full speed. Um, and they had what looked like a pretty good goal. Yeah, uh, yeah no, fair play. So, fair play. Uh, yeah. We're it now... Wasn't a penalty. It wasn't a penalty, but I don't feel like it was an outrage that we lost and like 100% undeserved or what. I think it was back against the wall for a good 20 it minutes. It was. But we're now officially bottom of the form table in the championship. Oh, officially, well, and Bristol City are top of the form table. Oh, yeah, they're on a what eight game well, now. That first half, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, Bristol City weren't really in it. I mean, it, no. it, 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 yeah, it was only after only after we scored that they really got into it. Then we were hanging on. They but were yeah, coming but, for I us. I mean, this hanging on, this time wasting, this shutting up shop. And a lot of Bristol City fans were moaning about that, and I can see it. I get frustrated with it myself, you know. And it was quite refreshing that Birmingham, with two minutes to go went for the corner and actually took a corner rather than, you know, you know which they've been Keeping totally entitled in the corner, to. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before. I'm, I, 
at this time wasting on either side mm. think should be eradicated personally. I mean, it's not going to be, but I, I, I don't like it. And I some, sometimes think it can, you can drop too deep. It can be too, it can have too much of a negative effect. I think sometimes you've just got to, I don't mean gung ho all out attack, but I think you've, you've just got to go for it a little bit more than we have been doing. Also, I think. Time wasting and shutting up shop is only effective if you actually know how to do it and yes. you're a good yeah. defensive yeah. side. You shouldn't force yourself to do it if it's against the nature and style of your team. And yeah. that's why I think it's an issue for us is that we've never been an amazingly defensive side with a good back four that we can sort of think, yeah. I mean, Tony, in his kind of best moments like that Villa game where nothing was getting past him, uh, you know, I did believe, oh, yeah, we'll be fine tonight. But with Tuesday, it's just don't force yourself into that position. Play sort of fairly positive away team football and try and counter-attack. Don't just boot it into Rosette because eventually you will run out of time. Yeah, no, spot on. Well, OK, so in the league, not we have not won in seven. Mm. We have not won in 2019. Yeah. Um, We've gone from two points off the playoffs to 12 points off the playoffs. We actually haven't changed that much in terms of our distance from the bottom. I think it's gone from 16 points above to 13 points above. And there's obviously more games have, have elapsed since then. Um, are we at... Are we at Oops, sorry. You, <laughs> sorry. You, you were so careful. You took... If I just stop for a moment. You took that can of beer. That big noise and thump that you heard was Chris opening a can of San Miguel. Uh, thank you, Eusebio. Um, you were like so careful. You put it under the table. You gently tried to open it, and then whack! Smashed bash, the can on the table. Yeah, smashed you, it. Not my water often, uh, yeah. I've completely forgotten where I was. Uh, I'll run. Yeah, I'll run. Yeah. Is it a mini crisis? Crisis? Full blown? Full, full blown crisis? Or nothing to worry about? I uh, don't really know because some people are holding on to the fact that it's just because we've got our eyes on the cup, it's fine, don't worry about it. But these things do catch up with you and if we lose on Friday, then we're looking, staring in the face of a seven-game losing streak and then, you know, it builds and it builds. And I think we just need something positive to cling on to in the league or the cup or just something to... Because I thought Portsmouth was going to be that and it didn't really turn out that way, obviously. But Mm. we just need something to turn it around. I don't think we're going to get relegated, but we don't want it to turn into a negative season if we do go out of the cup because then it'll just get a bit nasty. It's fine because after Friday, it's fine, our fixtures. We've got West Brom, Middlesbrough and Leeds. (laughs) We're on easy street. Yeah. I mean, I think Preston obviously was abysmal. Um, That's one to just sweep under the carpet and forget about... (coughs) <coughs> Excuse, sorry, please beg my. But I, I think I'm not too concerned at the moment because the way we came back against Birmingham, Bristol City, we were unfortunate to lose um, for reasons documented earlier. Chris is going to have a drink of water, so I'll just fill sorry. whilst he does that. So I sound like Bob Bob Fleming in a minute. Yeah, um, he does have a beer and a water. Yeah, in front of exactly. Him, yeah. So um, you're well lubricated. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, but I, I don't think we've been playing that badly the last couple of games. I think McLaren is, you know, finding the system out. I think with the, the BFG back with Grant Hall, I think that's a, a, a better centre-back pairing at the moment. Mm. Um, Smith is obviously banging form. I don't know. I, if we lose against Watford, which we probably will do, then we have literally got to concentrate on the league. But we only need three wins, really, and then we're, we're home and home. So I, I'm not that fussed. 
Okay, I think we're on to ours end already. Um, I'll go first. I'll talk about the stadium. So, the one thing we haven't talked about is our podcast last week. And if you haven't listened to it, you you can do uh, through the website. So, it caused quite a stir, um, which I didn't know about. So, we talked to Tony Fernandez, the owner. He said some comments about the stadium, didn't he? Uh, basically accusing the council of not supporting the club, which none of us sort of thought was particularly controversial at the time. But then I guess we didn't know the backstory. So that then got picked up by the standard the following day. And that then drew uh, the borough of Hammersmith and Fulham into quite a strong, quite mm. a tasty statement, didn't it? Which if people haven't seen, it's basically calling out Tony Fernandez for being a very single-minded property developer, not interested particularly in the development of the club, only interested in homes and houses and calling on for QPR to be uh, community-owned, which then Tony Fernandez answered back on and so on and so on and so on. Uh, I want to say one thing and then ask you guys what you think of it. The first thing is to say we have offered the council the right of replying to come on the podcast. We've contacted them, phone, email, social media. We have spoken to them and said, would you like to come on tonight? They have not taken up the option to come on tonight, which is absolutely fine. That's their right to do so. But I do want to make that clear because lots of people, uh, a few people, let's say, are saying, well, you should give the council the right of reply. We absolutely have done that. Um, but that story has probably got a few more chapters to run. Definitely. Or, yeah. I mean, it was that, that, that statement from the council. It's very weird for a council to, to, to put out such a like hot-headed statement like that, accusing Tony Fernandez of being property developers and trying to buy Batman Close, which is the best-named street in London, by it the way. It has a real whiff of sort of Paladini about that <laughs> yeah. statement, it? It's um, like an angry Trump, man. A bit Donald Trump as well. An angry man <laughs> in his pyjamas at his keyboard. It, it's evoked... But there was a fair comment made by Ted Kessler, friend of the podcast, yep. uh, Q Magazine editor, and said, you know, we should have asked Tony Fernandez why you've got a property developer on the board, which we didn't. And so fair play, Ted. And, and you know, next time he's on, uh, maybe we'll get... Actually Although we'll get... Tony did answer that on Twitter. Oh, I he believe. did? Okay. Yeah, from memory. He did say words to the... So we're talking about Jamie Rubin, mm-hmm. who is a Chelsea fan. So yeah. he's always going to come under some sort of suspicion. Yeah. And I think his answer was... He's on the board irrespective of his like profession and he has no property interest in or around the club. So what whatsoever. are his qualifications to be on the board then? Company director, I suppose. Okay. I don't know. Well, you're I a company don't know. director. They should get you on. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't answer that one. But yes, you're, you are right. We didn't ask him. Right? No. And there's some things, uh, yeah, that you, you have a long... Uh, bearing in mind, we had a sort of finite time in them as well. It's like 25 minutes, I think, we had with him. And you've got everyone's got a long list of questions that they want to ask. And, you know, Paul yeah. Morrissey says, right, he's got to go, which is fair enough. And sometimes you don't get to ask all of them. But Oh, don't pin it on Paul. He was fine. <laughs> no, he was fine. No, but I'm saying he was like, you know, Tony's obviously got to meet some very important, much more important people than us. So Paul is like saying, come on, lads. Yeah. And also, like we said, we all sort of knew about the situation with the stadium and the club sort of being in a bit of a frustrating um back and forth with the council I th- that was sort of public knowledge because there's been various statements from the club about Linford Chris being a last resort we didn't see, sort of yeah realize the behind the scenes maybe drama and tussle so when it was said we didn't really pick up on it and obviously there's things um going on that we're not really aware of that maybe mm. um 
ruffled a few feathers. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I, at the moment, I don't really know whose side to um Well, to go hopefully, on. the council haven't said no yet. They just said no for tonight. So hopefully, we would love to get them on soon. And uh, we'll certainly... We're certainly happy to devote a well, big th- chunk of time to it. That thing they said about us becoming like a Barcelona collective was slightly odd as well. Like suggesting, yeah, I didn't really get that. I mean, what's, oh, what's that like? Fan owned? Yeah, one? fan owned, and 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 basically, I don't know, like sort of like a coup against the owners. Maybe I don't, I don't know what what really that was about. But I don't think it would do the club any harm to have some sort of fan representation no, on the board. Absolutely, um, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for another time, Chris. Your R's end. Oh, well, the R's end's very... Well, OK, I, 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 two R's end. Firstly, you know, in true Finney... What are you, Finney? Yeah, I, I was going to say, in true Finney style, I think, we've got to get this place absolutely rocking on... Uh, <laughs> no, that wasn't a very good impression. No, I didn't realise you were from Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. No, I mean, yeah, I think we've got to get the place rocking from start to finish on, on, on Friday night. Friday night, under the lights, QPR, Watford, uh, should be a hell of a game. Um... If we can get the fans behind us from the start like that, like we were, you know, after at four two four three, and if we can play the way we did in that second half, then I, I think we've got a sniff. And the second thing is, talking to Paul, he wasn't here tonight because his mum's poorly again. And uh, yeah, just best wishes to Paul. Lots of love to him and his mum. Absolutely, Flo. Uh, just wanted to briefly uh, echo Chris's. Um, well wishes to to Paul and his family, and also a bit of a rebuttal to the Barcelona uh, model because their president came out yesterday saying that the La Liga should play at least three games abroad every season. So that's not exactly the local focus that maybe we necessarily should be looking well, they're, to. They're but all going. They're all behind that La yeah. Liga, aren't they? It's only the players who yeah, are stopping exactly. it from happening right now. Um, so anyway, that's just sorry something that, <laughs> a little bit of context. Um, but I just want to win. That's my R's end. It would just be amazing to win. Um, so that's it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's finish with fit, with predictions. Now we are playing Watford and West Brom before the next podcast. So your predictions, please. <laughs> now I wants to do it. Uh. Um, well, I'm going to go with super fan Richard Butler yeah. on Facebook. And he says it's going to be 2-1 to us on Friday. So that's good enough for me, Richard. Yeah. Um, West Brom, I'll take one all. That's all I'll say. I'll say extra time win for Rangers on Friday. Oh, wow. And I think we will get something from West Brom. I'll go nil-nil draw. Do you think if we win an extra time, there'd be a pitch invasion on Friday? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Not that I'm encouraging it in any way, <laughs> shape, manner or form, but yes. I mean, it, it, yeah. It depends when. If, they, if we score a goal in yeah. minute one, like, 30 like minutes Charlie extra Austin time, against Wigan style. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Not, not during the game, after the game. Do you think, think, think it could go to penalties? Oh, please, no. Oh, I think I might God throw almighty. up. I'm adding, I really have my fill of penalties, mate. I can't, I, 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 if it goes to penalties, I am walking out. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. I think I was the only person from... The people I was spoken to who actually watched the penalty, everyone behind me was going, What happened? What happened? You know, but, um, yeah, so I, oh, I, I felt so enough. bad for him. I did feel bad for him because yeah, he's, so, he's uh, so good. Mm. Yeah. He's so yeah, it's good. not a reflection uh, of his uh, quality. So, uh, 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 I know this is your R's end. My son is just getting into it. He's six years old. He asked me the same question the whole time, every day Who's QPR's best player? 
He then asks me, is Eze better than Messi? Who's better, Eze or Messi? Definitely. Like Without that. a shadow of But he always says, yeah. who's QPR's best player? So, who's QPR's best player? Because I now I think it is Naki Wells. Oh yeah, his quality. He's just you could tell that he's too good for the championship. His quality, he can touch with both feet, shoot with both feet. He's hold it up. Yeah, break he's so a player good. A little bit. Eze will will become really good player, but he's still got a lot to learn. Well, if I was giving player of the season now, I'd probably go Luongo. Well, it's not player of the season because player of the season is a like very topical thing based on who's had a good stretch yeah. of games. Luongo is quietly brilliant. I think we really missed him. Oh yeah, when he time. was when he when he wasn't there. Um, I think he sort of weird, weirdly sort of came in for a lot of stick over the last couple of years. But I think it's like you you don't want it, you don't know what's there when you. When, oh yeah. What, what Until it's gone. Yeah. You don't know what what you Until it's gone. That's why I shouldn't have had that second. Oh, can. he's so. Yeah. Some of the tackles he comes out with are just unbelievable, yeah. effortless, and completely amazing, and gets the ball every time. But Naki Wills, yeah, is absolutely brilliant. I mean, he is, and it, 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 I, I think the problem was, I mean, he got, how much pressure was he under, mm-hmm. knowing that he could have, give us a historic result like that? It just, you which know, probably why he said about the. Um, yeah, and there was encroachment, wasn't there, on Again. the penalty? Encroachment, enroachment. Encroachment. There's basically six of them behind the goal at that stage. And where I was sitting, only Wojciech seemed to be the only player that complained. He went straight up to the lino and said, "And obviously said, what, you, what, what are you doing? You should have spotted that.' But I didn't really see any other players realise or complain. I think mm. maybe some of it was the stutter because maybe you know they when he went forward, in, yeah. they just piled but in. But then that's why you do the stutter. You do the stutter to tempt the players into mm. encroaching. So maybe. you. Well, also so to get the goalie to dive one yeah. way, right? And yeah. it didn't really pay off because it slowed everyone Bloody down. Bloody Lee Camp. <sighs> oh. yeah. I anyway. do love Lee Camp, but, yeah, you know, I could have done without him on... Sorry, we, what were your predictions, <laughs> uh, Same as Chris, yeah, that 2-1 and 1-0 yeah. would be... I mean, hey. I'd be loving that. Go with the flow. Yeah. Go Always. with the flow. Okay, so there concludes this podcast we're not doing many Tuesdays in February because we have games on so many Tuesdays so we'll probably be I think we're back next Wednesday hopefully with a nice home draw against Brentford in the quarterfinals of the cup yeah Brentford Brentford would do Brentford would do alright thank you this has been Open All Hours come on you hours UPR UPR Rangers